So I'm still Pastor Dustin. I'm not Pastor Rob. And uh, I'm not going to be giving his message this morning. Um, so your bulletin next week will likely look very the same on the front. Because um, he has, honestly, he's spent a lot of time on that. And that's not the word that God gave me. Um, so I'm going to be honest. When I got the call yesterday, now, granted, this conversation started on Friday, so there's my own fault here. Um, Rob left on Thursday. He wasn't feeling great, wasn't feeling great still on Friday. And, of course, I was thinking, you know, it's sick yesterday, sick today. He'll be fine by Sunday. And yesterday he was feeling even worse. And so I got a text message saying, I'm sorry, I can't. I got I to gotta call you up. And so um, I was immediately, immediately anxious. My anxiety just totally spiked. And uh, I started coming up with a whole bunch of reasons and a whole bunch of excuses. First, why I shouldn't be the one being called. And, you know, ex excuses to, you know, giving my excuse to not do well, to not put a full effort in. Um, thankfully, I had some people praying for me, and uh, God knows me better than that, and uh, he knows I know better, and uh, he put some people in place to encourage me, um, one in particular, and I told him I was going to say this, I also told him I'd keep him anonymous, but I had a wise sage of a friend, um, say, you never go wrong with a testimony. And yes, that's true. So there is a little bit of my testimony in this today, um, in part because of that. So this encouragement, it really kind of kick-started me and got me doing, going down the path that I'm going to take today. And I'm hoping, I'm really hoping, that this will be for all of you a message of encouragement. I want to share that encouragement that I got today with you. And it all starts with this verse. Isaiah 41.10. It says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. This is the NRSV version of that verse. And yours might say, I will hold you up with my righteous right hand. I keep doing my left hand for this because I'm holding the mic with my other one. Um, <laughs> I've had this verse in my head for over a month. It's been stuck in my head. It's been stuck in my heart. And I can't shake it. I, don't, I haven't really been trying, but it's just been stuck there. It keeps coming up. It keeps coming back to me. And it started when it was our memory verse in Kingdom Kids. We've been talking about the life of Joseph, and this was one of the verses that came up. See, Joseph had a hard life. I don't think any of us would argue that he had a hard life. Uh, he actually, he had a hard life the kind that we can't really fathom. I don't, I can't understand just how hard his life was. I mean, he's sold into slavery by his brothers. 
They sell him to a group of traveling salesmen who bring him to Egypt, sell him to Potiphar. But Joseph has this, has this trust in God that he shows by doing everything right in Potiphar's house. And then he's accused of something he didn't do by Potiphar's wife, and now he's in prison. And still he does everything right. And that gets him into a position where he is able to interpret some dreams. A couple of prisoners had some unsettling dreams, and he was able to interpret them. And one of them returned to a place of a power and authority uh, next to Pharaoh. And this particular individual does remember Joseph, albeit later than he promised, and told Pharaoh about Joseph's ability to interpret dreams. Because Pharaoh was having some really, really weird dreams. Joseph was able to interpret the dreams and ended up being second in charge of all of Egypt because he trusted God. Because there was something in him, something intrinsically, something God planted there that he remained encouraged to do what God wanted him to do, what he knew was right, what he knew he should be doing, even though the circumstances were absolutely terrible. He chose to power through and be his best, even in the hardest of times. Now, don't get me wrong. I am not trying to equate short-notice sermon prep with being wrongly imprisoned. <laughs> but I did have encouragement. And it came from the same place. My encouragement came from the same God. So I want to take a look behind this verse for a little bit of context. And you can take the verse off of the screen. It doesn't have to be there the whole time. Um, so looking into the history of this verse and digging into it a little bit more, I found out Isaiah, we know, is a prophet. And he was a prophet during the time of King Hezekiah. Now, I don't know how many of you have studied your kings of the divided kingdom, but Hezekiah was, he was one of the last few kings. And Isaiah was a prophet during that time. And Assyria was rapidly expanding. Their empire was growing very large, very quickly. They were conquering places left and right. They had conquered Israel and scattered the Israelites from the northern kingdom. And now they're coming against Judah. They're coming against the southern kingdom. They are actively seeking to overthrow God's kingdom. And they're mocking God. The, the speaker for the king, the king of Assyria at the time was Sennacherib. And his, his uh, representative goes to Jerusalem and speaks the Hebrew language to the people who are there. And he threatens them. And he mocks God. And he mocks them and their faith. 
And God doesn't take very kindly to that. And God is going to stand up for Judah. And he makes a couple of promises to Hezekiah that Assyria will not win. And uh, reading through that in 2 Kings um, chapters 18 through 20, when you go into Isaiah chapter 41, it seems like this story is very poetically echoed. Now, I don't know with any certainty that Isaiah wrote this particular chapter during that time, but it seems to line up pretty well. And in my heart, I kind of think that it was. And if that's the case, then we can certainly take even more encouragement because this is a promise that we won't be conquered. God is with us. God will strengthen us, and he will help us. And there is another note that I like to make about this verse, and uh, I've come to really like this note, and I share it quite a bit when this verse has come up over the past month or so. And that is the idea of this victorious right hand of God. I'm going to switch the microphone and actually use my right hand this time. This victorious or righteous right hand of God. And during this time, the time of kings, you had this king, this all-powerful person over the kingdom. And sometimes things were beneath him. There was issues he didn't want to deal with. There's also times that he was unavailable. Maybe the king was sick. Or maybe he was visiting another country diplomatically. He had to have a second in charge. And the second in charge was able to wield the power of the king in those times. Whether it was beneath the king to deal with your particular issue or the king was unavailable, there was a right hand of the king. There is a right hand of the king. This is a person. We know that Jesus, after his ascension into heaven, is seated at the right hand of the Father. Jesus is the right hand of the king of the universe. Jesus is the right hand that is upholding us righteously, victoriously, in front of the throne of God, to the throne of God. And that, that just gives me chills. He is that person. Amen? And I will proudly, proudly declare that there is no other hand that I would rather have holding me up, especially when life gets hard. Now, some of you this morning, hopefully not as bad, but might be dealing with an illness, like Pastor Rob and his family. Some of us might be dealing with some mourning or some grieving. Maybe we've got some financial distress, unexpected expenses, job loss. Some of you aren't dealing with any of these things currently. 
but you have, and you know that you probably will again, because that is the world that we live in. And I already shared about Joseph and his story, but again, we might have some difficulty in relating to that. There's a lot of separation there. So I'm going to share a little bit about me. This is testimony time. There was a time that I was dealing with an illness. It put me out of work. Being not allowed to work, I ended up losing my source of income, which left me grieving over a lost career. Amanda was working, at least at the beginning of this, and, uh, but she was in school and about six weeks away from starting her student teaching, which meant she had to take a leave of absence from work, meaning she's not getting paid. I had PTSD. And from November of that year to April, I was basically homebound. I was a mess. Anxiety dominated my mind, and depression sapped all of my strength, all of my motivation. Only two things would regularly get me out of the house my counseling appointments and church. The worst part about this season was that I didn't see it coming. It hit me like a freight train, and I was stuck. It knocked me down, and I couldn't get back up. I couldn't do things on my own that I had been doing for myself for decades. I kept the house as dark as I could keep it. I turned on the TV to not watch it. I spent as much time on the couch as the cat did. Any social anxiety or social interactions spiked my anxiety. Unexpected noises would do the same. Loud, continuous noises would grate in my head. And it would be almost physically painful. I felt like I was losing myself and I couldn't do anything about it. And it really took until about May for things to start to feel like they were turning around. Which is not coincidentally also when the PTO ran out. And that's, a, that's an all about God thing right there because the police department I worked for didn't have a cap on some of the PTO stuff. And so you could accrue it and not lose it. And so I had over six months of PTO built up. But it ran out. And as my mind was healing, the bank account was shrinking. But during that time, I had learned to trust God I had, in a really new and deeper way. And it's a different story for a different sermon, but I had put out a fleece in about February. If you're familiar with the story of Gideon, he puts out a fleece. He wants to confirm something with God. It's not a test. It's a confirmation. And God answers. And I had put out a version of a fleece for myself, and uh, I was fully convinced that I was on the path that God had put me on. 
and that I was supposed to be on. And that helped me to find that peace and that hope that I needed. I was also starting to get more comfortable with leaving the couch and even the house from time to time. Now in about June, our bank account got down to about $400. I think it was about $430 and we had zero income. But it never fully ran out. We had a church that helped us out and we leaned on the social programs that were available to us. And we were able to make, make ends meet and get our bills paid and not completely and totally run out of money. But even then, peace and hope were getting stronger. Amanda and I would talk about how low our bank account was, how we had absolutely nothing left to our names as far as that. And uh, it didn't concern us. We weren't worried about it. People around us thought we were nuts. To be honest, we thought we were nuts. Look at each other, are we crazy? We must, we have, I got $400. I got a mortgage. I got car payments. I got all this stuff, electricity, water, food. There's six people in the house. $400 isn't enough for food for the month. It didn't bother us. We were a little crazy. Crazy in trusting God. A crazy amount of trust in God, put it that way. But we had that peace, even though the finances were in complete and utter shambles. God made sure I was healthy enough to go get a job. And I got a job at a lumberyard. Wasn't great work, wasn't glamorous work, but it was a paycheck, put food on the table. And uh, Amanda was hired at a school. She'd finished her, finished her education, graduated, and was almost immediately hired to start her teaching career. And before I knew it, I was back in school. Ten months after being told I can't come back to work, I was in school for ministry. And none of it would have been possible without trusting God and leaning on his strength like Joseph did. You see, we had to. I didn't have a choice. To be perfectly honest, I didn't have a choice. I had nothing left but to trust in God. I don't want you to have to get to that point. And that's where I'm hoping to bring you guys all some encouragement today. To help you to fully put your trust in God and in the path that he has for your life. So I'm going to ask, are you finding yourself struggling with any anxiety today? Are you struggling with handing fear, maybe even control over to God? Maybe you're experiencing illness in a season that seems like it is going on forever and it's never going to end. Maybe you have a different struggle. Maybe your struggle is finding the faith and the courage to trust God and take that step 
off of the path that you're currently on onto the path that God wants you to be on. Whatever struggle you might have, you can know that he is with you. He will give you strength, the strength that you need when you lean on him. He will help you. And best of all, he is carrying you. He is holding you up. God's got this. Now, I'd once again like to go back to the words of the prophet Isaiah, the words of God spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Do not fear. I am with you. God is with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. Take this encouragement today. And in the words of Moses from Deuteronomy, I'm going to steal from Deuteronomy. I'm sure God's okay with that. Deuteronomy 6, 8. Take this encouragement. Write it as a sign on your hand and fix it like an emblem on your forehead. In other words, don't forget it. Don't forget that God's got this. Don't forget that he is with you. He is your God and he will strengthen you. And the whole time, he is holding you up. And let's not forget what Jesus had to do to be that victorious and righteous right hand of God. He descended to earth as a man, subject to the same temptations, pains, and anguishes that we face. We know that he experienced anxiety in the garden before the night that he was arrested. He faced a lot of the same things that we face. And he lived a sinless human life doing it. Then he offered himself to take the punishment that we deserve for the sins that we've made. And he took that punishment on the cross and he died and he was buried. But he conquered death and he rose from the grave. He ascended into heaven where he is the righteous right hand of God. And he is upholding us there. And he is preparing a room in his Father's house for each and every one of us who is willing to put our faith and our hope in him. Thank you. And as the band comes back up, I would ask you all to stand with me and let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are great and wonderful, overflowing with love and mercy. We ask that you pour that out on us today. We don't deserve it. We never have and we never could do anything to deserve it. But you gave us your son so that we could have it anyways. Help us, Lord, to rest in you, to get our strength from you, to allow ourselves to be held up by you when the times are the hardest in our lives. Bring us peace and hope 
like only you can. In Jesus' name, amen.